Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Today's episode of the Making After School Cool podcast is the first of a two-part series which highlights our Case for Kids case debate project. For those who are not familiar with debate, Beyond just the political debate from candidates seeking elected office, the practice of debating is a bit more complex than that. True, this skill involves two parties holding different viewpoints about the same topic. However, when it comes to debate tournaments in the competition sense, the format is a bit different. Case Debates, funded by Harris County Department of Education, is a collaboration between Case for Kids and the Houston Urban Debate League, also known as Huddle. Though this is a free program for students, participants receive training and access to coaches. It also offers them scholarship prospects and the opportunity to build self-esteem, expand their horizons, and meet other like-minded students locally and nationally. To speak on the Case Debates project is Jimmy Morales, the project coordinator for Case Debates. Jimmy, thank you so much for being my guest on the Making After School Cool podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Michael. I'm really excited to talk about my position here. Awesome. So first, I want to start off with what initially got you interested in debate? Well, I was always someone who liked to read in school. And in the seventh grade, as one of my projects for English class, I had to recite a poem to teachers that I didn't know um, throughout the school. And the last teacher's door that I walked through was Mrs. Sandra Jones. And she had been coaching debate at Kilo Middle School for over 20 years at that point. And she kind of looked at me and said, you want to recite a poem in front of the class? And it happened to be the debate class that she was teaching. Um, and I did it. And she immediately said, you know, you've got to be on the team. And I had a couple of friends who were in the class and one of them actually needed a policy debate partner. And it was no more than a month later that I was at my first tournament and I was hooked. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting how these weird connections sometimes lead us into to a direction that we really and truly had no idea we would actually be uh, good at. Uh, did you have any experience with debate prior to that? No, I never even heard of debate, actually, before I walked in that room. As a concept, it was just not even something that I knew that people did. Really, uh, definitely was a life-changing experience working with Sandra. She was a very intense personality and she would manage multiple yellow school buses full of children by herself as the solo adult using only her officers to keep control sort of of the behavior of the kids on the bus that she wasn't on um, but everyone knew not to do anything that would frustrate her um, and so we ran a pretty large ship, but it was a tight ship. Um, usually at tournaments, we would have over 50 kids um, at, you know, at, at a minimum. Um, and everyone was expected to do more than one event. Um, I think that that was really important in terms of the way that I was brought up in debate. I, I didn't view debate as a singular activity. There were other speaking events like extemporaneous speaking, impromptu speaking, original oratory where you write your own speech and deliver it, duet acting where you memorize a script and act it out with someone else, poetry rec recitation, uh, declamation where you memorize a historical speech and present that 
those were all events that I was doing in middle school, um, along with Lincoln Douglas debate and policy debate. But it was a very empowering experience to have someone who really was supportive regardless of our success in terms of the the competition. You know, Sandra was a very competitive person, but at the same time, it was more about kids just having an opportunity to you know, learn to use their voice and speak clearly and coherently about issues that they're passionate about. And this is, you said, when you were in the seventh grade? When I was in the seventh grade, yeah. Okay, and then, awesome. So tell us your previous experience with debate teams. I mean, we know you started uh, being a member of a debate team when you were in the seventh grade, but uh, now that you've gone into organizing, uh, what's your experience with debate teams and tournaments? You know, it's actually been something I've been doing ever since high school. Um, my freshman year, I qualified to the state policy tournament in Austin um, through UIL. And when I went there, we advanced into elimination rounds and lost on a two to one decision in the octafinals, which was the top 16. But the person who voted for my team pulled me aside afterwards and asked me what I was doing that summer. And I said, I don't know, probably mowing lawns or something. <laughs> and he was like, very interested in the notion that I would work with Lanier Middle School. And so he paid me to go and work with those folks and then actually travel with them to Kentucky for the middle school national tournament. And throughout high school, we ran middle school events. Um, and then my senior year of high school, we ran our first TFA event at Elsick High School. And I was lucky to be the president of the team at that time. So I was technically the tournament director of that event, which was really special um, because it was the first time that ELSIC had had a TFA qualifier in many, many years. And it was sort of a natural transition when I got into college. Freshman year, I spent a lot of time just doing random sort of side gig coaching, but also judging a lot of events um, out on the East Coast. And sophomore year, it was 2007 into 2008, I guess, that season the directors at Niski Una High School left the program about three weeks before school was going to start so they could go work on the Ralph Nader campaign. And I saw this ad up for, they were looking for someone to come run the program. And so I went and took over. Um, it was over 20 kids. And I literally, like the week that I signed the contract, I was driving kids down to the Yale tournament um, in my own car because there was two kids that were signed up. And then about three weeks or a month later, we were going to more regional events. I was coordinating and organizing students going to events. Fell out of the speech and debate coaching um, community for a few years in favor of doing more like just public speaking oriented teaching. Um, I kind of, in terms of my pedagogy, really quickly developed an understanding that the meaning of the activity is not one to be derived from students winning or losing, but rather from the learning that comes out of it. Um, and I think that there's a, you know, the, the fundamentals of really teaching public speaking was something I focused on for a while. Um, but when I moved out into, to Los Angeles and I was working as a musician out there, I also was picking up side gigs working at the after school academic academies where I would run competitions just in inside the academy. Um, but it was in 2017, I was very lucky to get a job working as a policy debate coach for the Silicon Valley Urban Debate League, where we 
had a model based on having multiple schools being run by the same coach. So I would split my time between two schools going twice a week for two hours after school every week to these different schools and then chaperoning them both at tournaments, which was a really fantastic experience. And out in California, I had the opportunity to become the at first co-vice president of debate, which meant that I was in charge of running the local Coast Forensic League California state qualifying events. You know, we were averaging somewhere in the 500 student range at most of those events. And then that position led towards me eventually becoming the co-president of the CFL, which had me going to the California High School Speech Association statewide meetings where we, I was, I served on the debate committee, did what I felt was a pretty good job um, trying to modernize the rules um, and also, I guess, push forward some equity issues that were not necessarily being addressed before. My local league actually at the time, the CFL was really uh, progressive in terms of being able to accommodate folks who maybe were coming from uh, very far distance in order to compete and not requiring them to bring judges or helping to comp their entry fees so to, to make things more affordable for them. Um, but as a byproduct of the league rules that were already in place, we were able to secure free entry for all the UDL schools in the local league competition, which I thought was really important because the students getting the opportunity to compete against those from, you know, the quote unquote, best and brightest, which I, I, I'll borrow a phrase from one of my board members, Jenny, and she said, I think that genius is equally distributed by zip code. And so it was definitely something I was incredibly proud um, to have students who coming out of programs that did not have a history of a program or even a formal coach um, prior to my arrival to have some pretty uh, significant regional success. Um, and it was, it was really, really fun being out there, but Everything changes over time. Um, COVID hit and I transitioned into working as more just a private tutor um, for debate. And then I spent a year at the Riverdale Country School, Bronx, New York, where I was the assistant director of debate uh, for a program with over 80 high school students and around 15 or 20 middle school students. So it seems like, you know, your introduction to debate in the seventh grade, I, I assume you had no idea it would take you all over the country. No, um, in, it actually, when I was in high school, I had to make some pretty significant choices about which activities I was going to pursue because I wanted to be really good at something. Um, and focusing in on debate was something that I think was a little uncertain for me at the time. Um, I wasn't sure exactly where or what it was going to lead me to. Uh, but I can say that, you know, it, even outside of doing jobs related to debate, um, the skills that I learned in terms of just confidence, being able to stand up in front of a group, speak freely, do some research about something, be able to internalize that information, go and have a conversation or a dialogue with someone. Those were this sort of just the real transformative moments that I don't think that I would have had had I not gotten into debate. I definitely had a pretty bad stutter before I started doing public speaking activities, but 
through repetition and practice and really learning to center myself and calm myself down, I've been able to pretty much eliminate that. Um, it's only when I get really excited that it will come back. For people who are not familiar with debate, can you explain the different yeah. types of debating and the different types of debate formats? Absolutely. So I think that the way we should start this is talking about policy debate, a two-on-two -two format. It's the sort of origin of most modern academic debate competitions is a policy debate. And I think if we think about, you know, sort of popular cultural references to debate, like that movie with Denzel Washington, The Great Debaters, what they were doing in that movie is reflecting a style of debate that is now still continued. Um, it's we call policy cross-examination because that was actually the big change that was added. It used to just be people giving a series of speeches, but then the big sort of evolution of debate, so to speak, um, was when they added the cross-examination period where after each speech during the initial constructives, folks would ask three minutes of questions. And in a policy debate, there's a resolution for the entire academic year that gets released the prior January. So it's something that a ton of research goes into and students have the opportunity to present a solution related to a very broad resolution um, regarding the United States federal government. There's also Congress debate, which has folks acting just as it sounds like Congress folk. So they write bills or they introduce bills that other people have written and they give brief speeches in support or in, against the bill. Um, and then someone scores those speeches and then determines who they thought the best congressperson was at the end of the round. And that's how the ranking is determined. Um, there's also world schools debate, which is a really interesting format. You have teams ranging in size from three to five, um, but no more than three students can actually speak during a round. So if you have five students, you can have two of them acting as a pure support role. Um, which is really important because unlike policy or Congress, you are actually supposed to use only the information um, that you can find in an almanac, thesaurus, or dictionary. Um, and then, it, you know, it's more of a, um, a creative style where students have the opportunity to respond to impromptu topics. So they have one hour to prepare for a round that takes about an hour. Um, and up to three of the students on a team, or I think it has to be all, you have to have a minimum of three speakers. Um, everyone will present, um, but it's based off of ideas that they've quickly sketched out over the course of the hour prepping. Um, there's also prepared motions. So students show up to tournaments with cases pre-written, um, and those are usually, you know, mixed in with the impromptu ones. So in terms of the debate formats that case has been focusing on, those are the primary three. There are a couple others that um, exist. So there's Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is a one-on-one -on -one value debate. In modern times, Lincoln-Douglas has functionally become a one-on-one -on -one policy debate in a lot of scenarios, but that's not necessarily how it plays out um, regionally. There's a lot of places where it's still more of an ethics-based um, debate. And there's also something called parliamentary debate, um, which is very similar to world schools, except it's a two-on-two and there's no prepared motions. There's only topic areas that you're given in advance. And then you get the question the day of, and then you have a specified, depending on the tournament prep time um, before the speech. So, um, you know, there's also public speaking events 
And I was really excited at our seminar in September to be able to offer both a public speaking and interpretive event workshop for folks who weren't necessarily interested in doing debate and also a small LD, a, a, a small LD workshop, um, which was really just, you know, exciting for me. Ultimately, I did LD debate whenever I was in high school um, for my last three years. So I did start as a policy debater from seventh through ninth grade. But when my partner graduated, so I was very lucky to have a senior partner. Um, I didn't want to have to take someone in under the fold um, in terms of a learning curve and everyone else on my team was already doing LD. So I felt like that transition was one that was kind of needed for my personal growth. And I think it was, I think it's in terms of formats, you know, it's one of the more popular ones um, in the country. And, oh, I forgot, there's also public forum debate, which is a wild format where it's two on two, but it's very short speeches and the topic changes every two months. So it's a very highly intensive research-based um, activity. And that's actually, it's while it's the most popular format of debate in the country, I would argue that holistically, um, it's one of the lower barrier to entry in terms of academic rigor, um, which is why I really like that Case Debates is focusing holistically on um, the world's policy and Congress events, because I think that the amount of research and lessons learned over time in those three formats are very, very consistent with ultimately the learning goals that we want for our young scholars. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today for part one of our two-part series highlighting the Case Debates Project. Please join us for part two of this series in future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.